welcome. You're listening to I Wanna Believe Radio. Right here on the Paranormal Now Network. And here's your hosts, Dan Holroyd, Bob Penny, and Elmer Poster. I wanna believe. I wanna believe. Hi. All right. You are listening to I Wanna Believe Radio. Yes, you can find us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Unrestricted Radio Network, as well as the Michigan 69 Podcast Network. Uh, the website address is www.themichigan69podcast.com. And you can also hear us on Live Radio 1 and the Paranormal Now Network. Yes, welcome to another fun-filled week and episode. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Bob. How you doing? Not too bad, Elmer. How you doing there in West Virginia? Uh, it's West Virginia. It's West Virginia. I can hear the banjos blazing in the background there. Yep. <laughs> All right, you, folks. You know, you realize like Deliverance was actually like not even in West Virginia, right? <laughs> it, it should have been. It should have been. It was Arkansas. Yeah. Was it Arkansas? No. I think it was like Georgia or something like that. Oh, that, that's where it was filmed, but it was supposed to be in like West Virginia, right? No, wrong turn. Wrong uh, turn was in West Virginia. Oh, wrong Silent turn. Silent Hill was in West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> well, anyways, folks, uh, if you're uh, just turning the, the station dial or going through your internet or just checking out our podcast, we are I Want to Believe Radio. Um, I'm one of the hosts, Bob, and with me is Dan and Elmer. And uh, each week we... Uh, kind of explore, we dive into different realms with or realms within the paranormal or within the misunderstood. And um, we have a, a great show for you lined up this week, folks. Um, we are going to kind of hopefully challenge our, or I'm sorry, um, kind of bring out our inner selves as far as... Uh, um, I think challenge was a good word. Challenge, you know, challenge. yeah, yeah, challenge. challenge yeah. some of our, our kind, of, kind of a regression. You know, we're, we're sure. actually going to talk to a couple of uh, specialists, a um, couple of authors um, who actually they, they delve into uh, past life regression. Actually, we've got a couple of wonderful guests here tonight. We've got uh, Dr. David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogney Kid. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's for a pleasure, us. Bob. Thank you for coming on and. Uh, you know, it, 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 you, you guys have a, three books that you have authored together. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking into, actually, I purchased uh, one of them from Amazon. So I'm going to kind of start with your first uh, book there. And I'm going to actually uh, read that this coming weekend when we're uh, down in Ohio. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. But uh, I'm glad that you guys are on the show here. This is, this is wonderful. Um, it's a great topic. It's a controversial topic. Um, so can you just maybe tell the listeners a little bit about what you guys do? Certainly. Um, back in 2014, um, Dave and I worked together. Dave's a physician, and I was his office manager. And, um, you know, we were a bit stressed out. They had um, 
we were implementing electronic medical records. You know what that's like. Um, and, you know, we're not 29 or even 39. We were used to um, charts mm-hmm. with paper, and we had to change everything over. And it was very stressful. Right. And Dave was working very long hours. And I like to say that normally Dave is a cross between, you know, Yogi Bear and Fred Flintstone. But he wasn't. He was so cranky. Um, I just couldn't even reach him. He just ignored me. You know, it's just like we do with our spouses at home. Right. That's how it was. Even at work, I was being ignored. So I I was reading in a magazine one morning, um, and this is very funny. It was an AARP magazine. Mm-hmm. They were talking about meditation and the benefits. And first of all, it struck me as funny that you know, that happened to be in that magazine, but now I don't think it's funny. I think it was very smart. But I brought the magazine into work and I said to Dave, you know, we have to do something with you. Either we're going to um, call a counselor for you to get some help because we have to get you back to normal, or what do you think about meditating as an office? And Dave said, all right, let's meditate. So with, you know, the first couple of days, it was all of us and we did it at um, 7.30 in the morning before the patient started. Mm -hmm. And so there were four of us the first couple of days, and we all commented on how hard it was to close our minds down. And, um, you know, yeah, it takes practice, but the benefits are so great. And the second day, we talked about all the colors that we saw. We all saw different colors. And then the third day, the girls said, eh, we don't want to come in early. We'll do it at home. So it was just Dave and I. And um, we meditated, and then the patient started to come in. So we got up, and we began to um, get busy. And then Dave came over to me, and he said, Carla, I know you're going to think this is very strange, but I think I was just talking to your mother. Well, this caught my attention. I've always been rather open-minded, but my first question was, why is my mother coming to you? Why didn't you come to me? I was meditating also. Right. But, um, yeah, but he had never met my mother. In fact, she had died like nearly 20 years before that. And um, so I'll let Dave tell you what happened. Yeah, absolutely. So I was meditating. I was relaxed. And and actually, after even three days, I felt better. It was very peaceful but this woman appeared she reminded me of Carla from a side view and she kept showing me a shoe and I was like okay and she was very happy and jovial I came over and I said Carla I don't know why but I think it's your mother she showed me this shoe Carla went over to her computer she flipped shoes up on, and 60 shoes showed up on the screen, and I walked over and I said, this is the shoe. Which was very it, odd, because he would have no way of knowing that my mother was a ballroom dancer, and she always wore the same type of shoe to dress up or to church, and it was an open-toed sandal that she would wear for dancing, and there's no way he could have got that right. And so she's like, this is strange, and then Paula, who also worked in the office and was Carla's sister brought a picture of her mother out and showed me. And I said, that's the woman. Wow. So, of course, we're running back and forth. I'm a physician thinking, this is not really possible. Right, you're trying to think logically, right? You know, (laughs) and we did. We've done lots of research on on a lot of different things. My physician self has has done the research on meditation and health benefits and weight loss and and, and actually, I lost almost 100 pounds 
the year after we started wow, meditating. Great. That's great. Uh, but we, we looked at all those positive things, but I thought I probably lost my mind in the middle of electronic medical records. But I was feeling so much better even after three days that we kept meditating. The next day or two after that, I had this memory. Now I have to give you a little history. In 1962, when I was three years old, my father went to graduate school in Boston. Carl and Paula were from Boston originally. I grew up in Nebraska. Sure. So in 1962, my father drove us all the way across the country to Boston. But while I'm meditating, I have this memory. And I'm running on a beach. There's a big Ferris wheel in the back. There is roller coasters and little feet hanging out, and I'm screaming and yelling. And suddenly this little girl runs out, pushes me down, sits on my chest, gives me a kiss on the forehead. She jumps back up. She yells, quit bothering my family. And I look over, and she's wearing this little two-piece blue bathing suit. She has a little pot belly hanging over. <sighs> and Carla looked at me and said, oh, my God, it was me. Oh, my gosh. And I, you know, I hadn't thought about that in a very long time, right. but I didn't need a memory. Uh, and the reason it's stuck in my mind forever, it's one of those times, you know, I was raised with a good Catholic family. Sure. I was the youngest of five girls. My parents were always splitting up, but that particular day they had rented two cabs. We didn't have our own car. We were not well off. We went to Revere Beach. When Dave started talking about this beach, Paula and I knew immediately what beach it was because it's not just sand and water. There was a whole amusement park with it. So when we got there that day, for whatever reason, I didn't have a bathing suit. So all seven of us went across the street to one of those little souvenir shops, mm -hmm. and I got my first brand-new bathing suit, blue with ruffles. Wow. And when Dave talked about that, I mean, Paula and I got chills up her back. We just couldn't believe it. And we both said to him, when did you live in Boston? You know, we had been working for him since 1998, and he right. never mentioned it until that moment. Wow. So that was, you know, our first aha moment. And, Absolutely. of course, we didn't, yeah, we didn't keep in touch. It was that one only, you know, time that day. Um, and then we didn't talk again until he walked into <clears throat> my house to buy my husband's medical practice in 1998. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so wow. That, that sort of started to make us feel that this was very strange experiences that right. we're already having. Right. It's not shortly after that when I meet Isabella. And she comes to me while we're meditating in the office. And she says, Dave, it's not surprising that you met Carla earlier in this life. It's not surprising because you have known me for over 6,000 years. And I have been your spirit guide. And I'm like, okay, now I've really gone off the deep end because yeah. it's one thing that <laughs> that there's this whole, we have a memory from this life. It's a synchronicity. Right. And But Isabella says, keep meditating and write everything down. It's just a few days later when I'm meditating, suddenly I have a memory and I'm standing in a dark alley, and I look across the alley, and Carla's standing there. Now, I'll say Carla, because she was dressed with this fringe 
beaded dress. She still had the same steel blue eyes. She didn't look exactly mm-hmm. the same. She was much younger. Younger and thinner. Go ahead, say it. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you are still hot. You're still hot. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Good yeah, comeback. Yeah. Good comeback, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Dave. So, anyway, I see her. And then there's two big flashing lights. And then I hear bangs. And I hear get hit in the chest. And I'm thrown back. And I'm laying in this alley, bleeding to death. I tell Carla this memory and I said, I don't understand it. The next day I'm meditating and I see more of the story. I see that I meet Carla or Ruby, as her name was in that day, at a wedding in Chicago in 1925. And we take a walk along Lake Michigan. Mm -hmm. She tells me her name is Ruby Donaldson. Her father's name is James. She's from Bullock, Georgia, and she's moved from Georgia to Chicago because she wants to be a dressmaker, but she's trying to make ends meet, and she's working for a man named Angelo at his speakeasy. Carla is the most curious woman, and she runs out a few days later when she's not working. Mm -hmm. And she starts doing some investigating, and she actually calls me back at the office. And what do you say, Carla? Well, I had got onto um, ancestry.com, mm-hmm. and I did indeed find a Ruby Donaldson born in 1904 to James and Anna Donaldson. I was one of 11 children. Um, I could find pictures of my parents and some of the kids. I didn't find any of me, um, unfortunately. Um, and I did you know, corroborate all of the, the siblings. I knew that I had a lot of brothers and sisters. Then I found an article um, from Chicago, January the 10th, 1925. It was the wedding of the gangster, Angelo Jenna. He was the head honcho of the North End right yep. before Al Capone. I never heard of Angelo Jenna, to be very honest, yep, but then I'm is. not. Yep. You You do? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, good for you. Genoa, yeah, so, Genoa, yeah. All right, yeah, he was one of the, I think, terrible uh, Jenna brothers or whatever. There were six of them, we've since found out. But I found the article, and he married Lucille Spinola on that day. And I found another article. Their wedding cake was 10 feet tall. It served um, 3,000 mobsters. They were married at Ashland Auditorium in Chicago. They couldn't find a church that was big enough. But I was able to call Dave back and say, these names that you gave me, the information you gave me, I corroborated it. There is evidence. Everything checked out. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. what was and, going and, through your head, Dr. Dave? I mean, you know. Well, again, I thought I might be a little bit crazy. <laughs> but I started doing as much research as I could. Right. And so what I found was, Studies by Ian Stevenson, Jim Matlock, Jim Tucker, all the way from the 50s and 60s, where they had been documenting spontaneous memories of children, because you can't teach children anything. So they've been studying, and they had about 2,500 cases of kids who had past life memories, where they went, studied them, found the life before, and were able to match up the details. I thought, okay, so there's at least some research at the University of Virginia that says that this memory might be possible for me. And then, because I was into meditation, I was doing the research, 
And I found that past life regression people had some of the same memories of past lives, things like I had. I looked at meditation and found out that meditation actually activated beta and alpha wave or theta and alpha waves in your brain. So I knew that you had theta waves in the front of the brain and alpha waves in the back of the brain when you meditated. People undergoing past life regression hypnosis had the same brain waves in the front of their brain and the back of their brain. And so I thought, yeah. So I thought it's very oh, and the same wavelengths start to show up right between the time you wake and sleep. And this is the time that a lot of people have spontaneous memories and dreams. So kind of a REM state then, or it's 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 not in the REM state, but it's at the time before you're as you're waking up. So okay. you've actually come out of REM. Sure. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, so there's some science that says maybe I'm not crazy, that this place where the subconscious lies can be accessed. And I said, okay, so maybe it's possible. Maybe I'm not completely crazy. So we kept meditating and we kept documenting. And Isabella keeps telling me about another life and another life. After four or five years, now I know it seems like a long process, we had so many notes that we wrote the first book. Right. The, the Gift of Past Lives with Mother Isabella, God, and Elizabeth. It was actually at that point that we went for past life regression training with Dr. Brian Weiss because we wanted to know more. Right. And meet more people who had the same experience. Sure. Uh, then we kept doing more and more research. So we wrote our second book, which is Hell No Reincarnation. And part of that is we had this Catholic upbringing. Right. And reincarnation is not part of what. It's not part of the practice. Not part of the Any belief. part of any of the priests no. ever told me. Um, and it was interesting because I went back and and I did as much research into religion as I could. Sure. Found out 33% of the United States or the of the world actually believes in reincarnation. That's um, actually seems 20, like a pretty high, I mean, high rate. Um, yes, actually. 20% of Christians actually when right. polled say they do. Wow. Right. Which surprised me. Sure. We wish it was higher. Right. And when we did the research we found that during the apocalyptic time of the hebrews and the gnostic christians around jesus's time reincarnation was being spoken of mm-hmm. and as you run through the research you find origin of alexander who was the earliest he was jewish but the earliest Christian theologian who wrote almost everything that the Catholic Church believes in 200 A.D. include transmigration of the soul and reincarnation as part of his teaching. It was interesting, in about 400 A.D., the Emperor Justinian and a bunch of Catholic priests got together and they excommunicated him from the church Mm. after he was already dead and wiped out his teaching. Hmm. I thought that was an interesting right. history point. And you should explain, Dave, why we wrote Hell No Reincarnation. Well, we were doing research on hell because Isabella said there is no hell. And I started doing 
the reading that I could, and it actually hell is not a Old Testament teaching. It doesn't occur in any literature until about a hundred BC. It actually the the term hell was Sheol, which is just what the Jewish people said is where dead people go. And Hades was also in the Bible. Mm -hmm. right. It's where dead people go. It's not a punishment. It's not a negative or a positive. No. And we found that hell is introduced by Dante, but it really doesn't show up as the word hell until the King James Bible. Right. And King James Bible went in, went to some of those early writings, and every time it said Hades, or every time it said Sheol, or every time it said the Valley of Gehenna. The Valley of Gehenna is the ditch outside of Jerusalem where the sewage system drains. And it's where the Jewish judges at the time of the Bible and, and early <clears throat> Jewish kings used to put their illegitimate children to death and burn them. Because they married thousands and thousands right. of women and just had more children than they knew what to do with, and they killed them. So it was the place of burning and evil. And right. spontaneous combustion. It could look like a hell. Mm -hmm. And so all three, the Valley of Gehenna, Hades, and Sheol, all got changed to the word hell because King James's wife was Germanic, and Helia was the god of the underworld, and so she said, call it hell. Wow. And that's where hell becomes introduced sure. really as a topic into the church. Right. Well, right. see, I, I, I would, I'd, I'd like to tell uh, David and, and Carla, both of you, that um, Bob's been doing the paranormal work longer than me, but I would give somewhat of the same sort of lecture that you're talking about right here sometimes in my lectures to crowds about paranormal because I would try to take people back to those times and tell them, you know, uh, not to erase anybody's belief or their religion. Just let's remember that, you know, in, in dark times, it was not often like you, that you already covered it. It was not called hell. It was, there were different meanings. And if you were to think why, when we think we're dealing with uh, someone who is still out here, still around our guides, our angels, uh, those that we love have passed on, I've tried to include that in the soup. So you just you just reiterated some things that I had already been thinking on and some things that I'd already already heard about, you know, from some other people who are along the same lines as you. I also wanted to touch on something that, real quick, if I could, that you mentioned, you know, children uh, talking very openly about their past lives. And I had an incident with one of my daughters who did that at about four years old. And uh, was pretty specific about some information, things that she should not know at four years old. And less than 10 minutes after the incident, had no memory of it whatsoever. And we mm. still talk about it to this day. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you two. I'm, I am a big believer that I think that there are one right after the other. And uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. But I just wanted to tell you that I, I also believe that portion um, and it, it's just great to hear what, what you're saying here. It's ma making a lot of sense to me. Right, yeah. And, and if I could chime in uh, really quick, like, too, um, I had a similar experience with my daughter, um, Ella. And, um, in fact, we were driving um, down one of our local roads here, Sprinkle Road. Um, you're familiar with where that is, Dan. Um, and yep. years ago, there used to be an old one-room 
schoolhouse that was right on the corner of Kilgore Road and Sprinkle Road. And my daughter at the time was probably about three. And we were driving. I'd never mentioned anything of it. But what they had done was they had moved this one-room schoolhouse maybe 35 years ago. Okay, so way before my daughter, Ella, was born, conceived. Um, we're driving right by where that old schoolhouse used to be. And she said, Dad, there used to be a school there. There used to be a school there, old school. I was like, what? I was like, really? I mean, the fact that she knew this, I mean, it blew my mind. Um, wow. So, yeah, I, I mean, and especially. You can't coach those things. Right, uh-uh. absolutely not. I'm, but do you see that there's a, a high rate of uh, children recalling past life events? Um, and then as they mature or get older, they, they kind of lose, lose that connection. Do you find that? It, it, well, it it's happens. not so much. It's not that it's there's more. It's just that people are talking about it now. They're not as sure. afraid to talk about it. Right, right. right. Carol, yeah. that makes that makes great sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like when you bring not again, not to disburn anything on the Catholic religion, but they're they, they're not too happy with with me at times because I'm a Mason. So you know the Catholics definitely don't like anybody who's a Mason. But there's also I think there's always like this fear with any religion, and some of the people are so afraid, I think, of it changing their view. Do you think that kind of guides them into just shutting it out? Anytime you attack someone's core belief, it becomes really difficult. Now, we're going to tell you a few other things, because you probably have listeners that that are Catholic. We still have God in all of our experiences. Right. Absolutely right. Right. So, and we say that God, that reincarnation was God's plan from the beginning, life after life, chance after chance to Amen. learn, get it right, and return back to Creator, Source, Tao, whatever your title for God is. I was raised Catholic, so my title is God. Mm-hmm. But God is still present and active. Correct. If there is an afterlife and we can connect with the afterlife, why do people think that there isn't some other continuation, that right, God isn't right. present in all of these experiences? Right. Very well said, sir. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> so, so so, then is it, I mean, does it make sense or is it logical? Because I've heard different people and um, their theories regarding past lives. Is it that we are re- reincarnated until we get it right? You know, is there something in our past or some event that maybe had gone wrong? And so we're giving, you know, these these extra lives to kind of make things right before we move on? Is that? Yeah, I've wondered that too. So I'll, I'll, I'll address it. So <clears throat> we do discuss karma in all of our books. Sure. And it's it's broken down very simply. Some people think it's too simple, but karma is broken down into just five simple rules. And first of all, it's not a punishment. It's a, it's a, to learn compassion and love. Right. And so the five simple rules are to live a life without conceit, selfishness, jealousy, and unforgiveness, and make every decision out of love. It's pretty simple. Now, when you start looking at conceit, it's not vanity. It may be that you're controlling someone else. You're making decisions for other people. You, you might be the corporate president who's treating people that are your employees below you. You know, In the past, it was kings and queens. 
and people who imprisoned people and people who enslaved people. We start looking at these things and we found 29 lives that Carla and I have had together. Wow. So it's not strange that we met each other twice in this life. Right. We were always intended to meet. There are soul groups, we call them family mates and karmic mates, that you have to return with. Right. They either help you learn or they test you. If they're your karmic mates, there are things you have to learn from them and overcome. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give you an example that's I think is interesting, and I got to experience it while meditating. It was my father who passed now six or seven years ago, but his past life review, his time between lives, and his last three lives that I know of, he was a slave trader in Bermuda, and he stole people from their homeland, mm -hmm. split up his families, chained them into the base of his boat. And the next life he returned as a man who lost his wife in childbirth and his child was abducted. Thus his family was split apart. That's karmic lesson. Mm -hmm. In my life, in this life, my father, a wonderful man, high school principal, taught kids tried to make sure they graduated all those kind of things but his last 20 years of his life he got a very severe case of parkinson and was chained in his wheelchair oh wow oh wow but if you look at the karma related to that those are all lessons and in this life this man was chained in his wheelchair but still laughing he right. wanted to watch the football game on the weekend and if i couldn't stay awake he'd fall asleep and i'd sit with him he'd wake up and tell me what happened to the game <laughs> the man really overcame being in a wheelchair right and and when we looked at our past lives we started seeing patterns one of the patterns was we had a life in scotland where we were actually vikings and we attacked scotland we became assimilated with the scottish people in the next life we were scottish fighting the english in the next life, we were English fighting the Scottish. And we found that we actually fight on both sides of every war. <clears throat> we found lives where we were kings and queens, and we found lives where we were poor and serfs on the... And we found lives where we were Christian and Muslim and Jewish right. and pagan. And pagan. Mm -hmm. Because we had to live both sides of all of those to learn the lessons that Maybe we need to open our mind and we aren't judging people who are different than us. Sure. So it's like one end of the spectrum to the other. Trying to learn right. what it is to be human, not judge other people. Right. Treat, treat people with respect. Human experience. Now, sometimes I joke because we found 29 lives together. I've had 42 past lives that have existed over the last 6,000 years. And maybe I'm a slow learner. Uh -huh. But a lot of us take a lot of learning mm -hmm. to put these things well, into. I, I would almost ask you, you know, like you said, having that many, um, you know, if you were to put the odds against, well, man, why would it take so long to get it right? Do you think, obviously, the outside influencers that come into play, you know, the chaos theories and things, other things happen to you around that, that you may be doing it right, then something happens and it affects your next decision. And instead of like that whole saying of turning left, you turn right. Maybe that's why 
you know, we've all failed some numbers of times because we let other things influence influence us on the outside. That is the most genius thing you could say. I think that is perfect because that's really the, you know, we we react to people sometimes very protective. Again, that's our ego, the conceit, mm-hmm. selfishness, and jealousy. Right. It's really easy to make a mistake. Let's say you go into the grocery store and the clerk is not having a good day and they're rude and you're suddenly rude back. Did you just tie yourself to them for the next life in karma? That's a good question, yeah. So it's not surprising if you look at human history that we have war after war and we've tied ourselves because we went to war. It's not serving your country that's wrong. And if you're a good officer in the war or you're a good soldier and you're doing what they told you, you're not killing people for cause. Right. However, there are those people that go into war because they want to carry a gun. Oh, yeah. Right. And and they're excited to shoot. Yeah. Right. And for the wrong reasons. those Those people are tied into that. And so we start looking at there's a whole set of group karma that follows us. Sure. And can we all overcome that? Can we overcome our country at the moment who's living through politicizing COVID or politicizing political things regarding to yeah. race and et cetera? We're, we're creating more group karma right. that maybe I can't overcome just by being a good guy. Right, right, right. Um, now, as far as both of you guys worked in the medical field for years, um, how were you treated by your coworkers or your colleagues and family, you know, once they found out about um, your beliefs or, or once they found out about your experiences with this? Great question. Some of I get to answer that one, Dave. Okay, let me, <laughs> before you say yours, yeah. some people have been very positive. Sure. Now I'll let Carla. <laughs> well, he's the optimist, right? Right, right. And by the way, we don't like to say good choices and bad choices. We like to say positive and negative. Sure. Uh, because, you know, we've all been saints and sinners. Um, so, yep. you know, I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Um, the two girls that worked with us in the office, they were with us from the beginning. So they understand it. Um, one of them is great. We um, we use her to read our books when we're writing them for opinions, different things. The other girl is, is quite a bit younger. Mm-hmm. And even though she's she's been with us through this whole thing she chooses to look the other direction on a lot of things and which is sad to me because i know that almost is going to guarantee unless at the at the very last minute she you know changes her mind and starts seeing how things need to be in her life you know she's just she's creating more karma for herself and and she already knows how it works now in my family Everybody except my sister that worked in the office has, uh, they don't talk to me anymore. They am sure that I am cavorting with Satan himself, Dave. And they have nothing to do with (sighs) me uh, because I am not going to be one of those 400,000 that Jesus comes down and and saves and takes back with them. Um, I have um, a nice amount of girlfriends that are okay with it. Um, I had one girlfriend that I thought was a very good girlfriend, and we're no longer friends. Dave has his sister. Um, she reads our books. 
she tells us she doesn't believe anything, but she continues to read our book, so I think she doesn't She's want okay to admit. With it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have but, friends that are that are very supportive. Again, I, I serve as a vice president of medical affairs, so right. I that isn't a topic that's discussed. Sure, Oscar. I can imagine. I can right. imagine. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm I'm prepared because even though I, I I call this a spiritual, not necessarily religious experience, but it's but it's still related to God. So if anybody questions it. I'm going to say, well, I wouldn't question if you were Jewish. Right. So I'm, I'm really okay as long as I leave it at that when I'm at work. Now with patients, certainly I didn't bring this up in the middle of, right, right. of patients. Now, I will tell you that I had patients who had experiences, who are friends, who are understanding. I had patients while this was happening. I had a patient who was a Lutheran minister who is who I ask lots of questions because he was biblically trained and history trained and he's now retired and moved to another area of Ohio when his wife died he called and said can you reach my wife hmm. wow so it goes That's in powerful. a lot of different a lot of different directions absolutely and it and sometimes it's really difficult when you live in a small town. Can imagine. Um, it's very difficult. You have to decide which hat you put on and right. who you tell what to. But it, um, it's very funny that there was a, an older woman that lived down the street, and she moved to Arizona. So I sent her the first book just mm -hmm. to see what would happen. Sure. And funny, she called and she said, I want to tell you, Carla, that I've been talking to my spirit guide for years, but I never told anybody because I thought that they would believe me crazy. And, well, you know, every every once in a while you get the opportunity, you get that opportunity. Sure. But Well, Carla, I'm I'm I'll share something that's similar. I mean, Bob knows that I didn't talk openly about my gift for the longest time, um, which has happened to me all my life. And. Having said that, I felt some of that too. And I still have family members who consider things I'm involved in kind of almost like that little giggle in the corner, kind of like the joke. Now they talk to me, but I don't think a lot of them really think, you know, that I'm out here doing serious work. And right. I've given them all the same story where I finally had a moment with God and I said, what do you want me to do with this? Because I was very uh guarded about coming out in the open about it doing paranormal investigation and trying to broaden my my thought process and my my relationship that i have with god you know which i, I consider to be very spiritual uh, i don't belong to any religion anymore um and i felt a, a, a beam of light come in and i felt a warmth and i heard a voice say go forward bear uh -huh. witness and help others so yes. when I've shared that, you know, you get people that look at you either like you're crazy and you're hearing things. Mm -hmm. um, and as you said, it's not always openly uh, invited as far as people really accepting it. And I, I've, I'm not guarded anymore, but still in certain circles, I'm very cautious about talking about anything I may pick up on or anything I may see, uh, anything I've communicated with. Uh, because like you, you just you don't know who you can trust. Uh, Isn't it a shame? It is, because you think we've come so far in this field. And I consider not what you guys do to be paranormal. I think it's natural and not supernatural. It's it's beautiful. It's it's normal. And you think that we've we've 
we've made these leaps, but honestly, I think sometimes within our own circles we have it, and it's a shame to really hear that hear you share that. And but I I wanted to tell you when you said you know they think that you're not going to be welcome when Jesus comes back, and I I always tell everybody because um, I'm also the uh, chaplain at my lodge, and uh, I always tell everybody, well, I got good news for you, he will. And trust me, don't listen to these people who think they have all the answers. There's no absolutes right. in anything. And those are the people that live in fear constantly, and Correct. they seem to be happy living right. in fear. Oh. Um, I don't live in fear. Dave and I have both had experiences with God. Um, some of the the room, the chat rooms we get into mm-hmm. um, with people in um, in regard to reincarnation and spirituality, a lot of them have talked to God and Jesus. Right. And why, so, why do you think God would stop trying to reach yeah. people two thousand years ago? He, he exactly. Has right. I'm right. with you, Dave. Doctor, yep. I'll call you Doctor. I, I keep calling you, you Dave. I'm sorry. You can call me Dave anytime. <laughs> I keep. Right. I, I'm with you on that. That's again. That's a, a very true thing. That but Bob, I've heard Bob say this openly to people too. It's like, why would you think that? Right. Uh, yes. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's there. Mm-hmm. You may not run every aspect of your life every second of the day, but he's <laughs> there. Trust me. I am so blessed. This shows about you guys, but I will tell you in retrospect about what you're discovering and what you're sharing with me. You're making me feel very warm and uh, very nice inside because uh, I... Oh, warm I look, fuzzies, Dan. Warm yeah, fuzzies. Warm, warm fuzzies. fuzzies. <laughs> and, well, I mean, they're, they're, they're speaking truth, you know, and, and I'm on the same page because I look around, too, about all the blessings and things that we have, and I, I don't think I deserve them, but they're there. So where do you think that right. comes from? It just doesn't right. happen on its own. Well, you know, you know right. the thing is that there's too much, you know, there's too much evidence that supports that reincarnation is real. Oh, I mean, I mean yes. you know, and I think that just so many people ignore it because of their belief system or because they just don't want to... They're afraid. You know, they're afraid. They're afraid of the unknown. They're afraid. I mean, I mean, you've Let, got think so, of, yeah. Yeah. Think, think of God, and this is how we like to put this. Think of God as being extremely fair and impartial, mm-hmm. and then think, you know, churches have been trying to deal with this for years, where they come up with purgatory and other little mm-hmm. places that babies go when they die young, right. and is it? enough to have one moment of life to decide if you're going to heaven or hell? Is it enough to have one hour, one month, one year, 10 years, a whole life? Is that enough? What if you didn't have the opportunity to learn every lesson? Does that mean you go to hell? Or do you have the opportunity, life after life, to grow? Because we've grown as a society. Absolutely. people, People laugh when I tell them this, but we're in actually the least violent time in world history. Oh, right. I agreed. Yeah. <laughs> agreed. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, that's scary when you look at riots and things sure, that happen. Sure. Yeah, but we're sure. in the least <laughs> war time ever because the world is changing. Absolutely yeah. is. There are people who are having spiritual epiphanies right. that we have to make a decision that's based on love, that we can't keep hating each other. Because we keep destroying each other. And we may need to even consider we can't keep destroying the planet because we'll have nowhere left to come back right. to. Absolutely. Or our kids. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good now, segue I for actually a... Have a... Go, go ahead, ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Elmer. No, go ahead, Bobby. 
No, I'll go get your question. I was going to take a break real quick, but. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm sitting here digesting all this, right? And this also reminds me of a lot. Do you all subscribe to the Sleeping Prophet, Edgar Casey? Um, we we know a lot about Edgar Casey. Yes. Okay. All right. Because I, I, you would have to. I mean, because pretty much you've just taught talked about everything he ever taught <laughs> so i had to ask that because you know most people don't even know about the sleeping prophet i mean my wife introduced me to him back gosh whenever we started dating and stuff it was actually it was kind of like synchronicity because whenever like me and her met i had actually watched a documentary on edgar casey and started setting up on it and stuff but um now how do you feel about you know the many lives of jesus and how do you feel that, you know, like he's coming back again, but do you think he's going to be another person or do you think is this going to be Jesus himself? So I'm going to share our experience. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Edgar Casey was an extremely gifted healer, intuitive medical healer. He would pick up on people's diseases, not even being a physician, and he would start to tell them what they needed to do to try to get better, or they would actually seek medical attention and and find out that they had cancer that he diagnosed before they knew. Yep. Incredibly, um, incredible medical intuitive. And however, he was getting help. You realize that. Yes. He was He's speaking to his guides. guides that were giving him the information. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there are also a lot that Edgar Casey did with early past life regression where he was hypnotizing and taking notes. And I'm going to tell you because we've trained in past life regression and some past life regressionists will be upset when I say this, but past life regression is filled with some fantasy, just like any hypnosis is. And so 20 to 30% is, is fantasy. I'm just going to tell people that so that now, it's still the best way that the most normal people can go in and find out about some of their past life. So it can be very healing. You can find out about your past life. If you have residual problems, you can heal those. All those things are things Edgar Casey was writing about. Edgar Casey based a lot of his writing on Madame Blavinsky. Yep. She is a person from the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And... She was sort of involved with the Theosophical Society, and some of what she did was started to expound on this, maybe in ways that we don't know that she where she got the information. So I'll just say that. So Edgar Casey started to hear about places that could have been fantasy and started to popularize that. I'm going to tell you from a, as a past life regression person who I do, we don't do it for a living, but we do past life regressions. People who have never heard of Atlantis never say they're from Atlantis. Only people that know of Atlantis will suddenly say, "Well, I had a past life in Atlantis mm-hmm. ten thousand years ago." Bingo. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard that just, discussed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have to realize that. Sometimes people see fantasy, and some of Edgar Casey's may have been fantasy, because some of the places he discussed, they haven't been able to find and historically cannot right. place. So sure. I try not to go to places that maybe make believe. Right. 
no. Now, if you take somebody to a past life and they have a memory and they're having a problem in that life, many times they have that same problem in their current life and they're trying to figure out a way to deal with it. And if you address it in that life, it heals in this life. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, Absolutely. there's a lot to wade through there. And I've, I've heard that discussed mm. before, too, uh, doctor, you know, uh, about uh, people having that precognitive information already because we've, you know, we're so in a, an area of both open information. Bob and I often, when we go into some investigations, we're telling people, I don't want some people in the team to have beforehand information on this place because right. that's going to be, it's going to be a contamination. And if they get something, then that could be their imagination just kind of going down the path. So I right. think that fits the same, I think that fits the same, same thing this there. But Same exact thing. And, and those people going into those places may indeed be experiencing some sort of right. connection with the spiritual world. Right. You just gotta it's, you gotta it, be able to tone what's what you think yeah what you think is the fantasy and the, the reality right correct right right well on that note uh, we're gonna take a quick break I want everybody to stay tight with us here we're here with Dr David and Carla and uh, I'm Dan and uh, I'm Bob here, and Bob and, and Elmer's out there Elmer's out there we want to remind everybody to. Uh, be aware of our sponsors, who uh, one of our sponsors of the program, which is Henderson Castle. Go to hendersoncastle.com. It's an 1895 bed and breakfast here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, built by Frank and Mary Henderson of the Henderson Names Corporation. Go to their website, look up the history. Uh, you can also book haunted historic ghost tours there with yours truly right here, the one and only Dan Holrick of the Southern <laughs> Michigan Paranormals. Uh, also, one of our uh, uh, sponsors, as some people have seen me drinking on the other end, you can't see me here on this audio adventure, but Gun Barrel Coffee. Go to gunbarrelcoffee.com out of Batavia, Illinois. Uh, it's run by veterans, brewed, and also roasted by veterans, and proceeds go to help veterans. And one of the newer people I've contacted today as well uh, that we're going to get involved with all of our programming is the Valhalla Project, uh, also helping veterans. Uh, you can find us, as Bob said, right here at the Michigan 69 Podcast Network. We'll be back right after this. This is the Big Dog, and you're listening to Unrestricted Radio. Do yourself a favor and download the unrestricted radio app. Tell them the big dog sent you.
This time of year getting you down? You got those broken down car blues? Well, I got an idea for you. Go check out Ed's Basic Car. Yeah, Ed's Basic Car. They sell used cars at fair prices. Half down in any car over $1,000, plus the DMV fees gets you into the car. After that, you will make weekly or bi-weekly payments until it's paid off. No credit checks, 
all are approved. Go see Todd or Kathy or Paul over at Ed's Basic Car. Ed's Basic Car is located at 2460 South Sprinkle Road in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Or you can give Todd a call at 269-488-2806. Ed's Basic Car, they're there for you. Hey, you listening to this podcast, I've got a message for you. If you've drank the rest, now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. We are the Gun Barrel Coffee Incorporated team. We are united by the love of coffee, guns, freedom, and America. What started as a hobby has turned into a high-quality home-roasted coffee, enjoyed by family, friends, and now the public. We are proud to donate a portion of our proceeds to the organizations who support those who serve, those who protect and defenders of our rights and freedom. Accept no other substitutes. You've had the rest. Now drink the best. Gun Barrel Coffee. You can find the guys at GunBarrelCoffee.com. And we are back. Thanks for staying with us. Bob, who do we got with us? Hey, we have a Dr. David... Bettenhausen and Carla Bogney Kid, and so hi. So when when we left <laughs> off, I think we were talking about uh, Edgar Casey a little bit. Uh, Elmer had asked uh, asked uh, Doctor Dave a question about Edgar Casey, but um, Carla or Doctor Dave, uh, a question for you: um, Have either of you heard of Peter Novak in his divided soul theory? I've heard a little bit about Peter Novak. It's a it's an interesting concept. I'm I'm gonna refer back to because there is this group that believes that we are all one big consciousness and the mm-hmm. soul is split from all of that and there's portions of our soul split and spread throughout the universe. And that our soul could be in multiple people, sure. multiple times. I'm, I'm going to say that that's not our experience. Right. And I'm going to say that what, what part of two separate souls learning different lessons, how does that work? If those individual souls do not join back as one unique soul and the experience doesn't right. really occur in a linear time frame. I know that there's a lot of arguments with quantum physics. None of us understand quantum physics, but I'm going to say, I think we make a huge leap when we say quantum physics describes the spiritual world. Mm-hmm. Amen. Quantum mm-hmm. physics describes the physical existence. Time is still a vector in quantum physics. Now, whether things exist like we think they see them doesn't really matter, which is what quantum physics is describing. We all have a shared experience. Whatever that shared experience is, is our reality. So even though quantum physics says particles can be both energy and matter, none of us see them as energy unless they're light and in the right right frequency. And we only see them as matter in this physical world And this physical world has a beginning. Science says it's this Big Bang. And science says something started the Big Bang and nobody can explain it except for if we use the explanation of God. 
I've so, often I've often thought because I, I've heard it from a couple other people out there. I'm not going to mention names, but it made sense to me that you know the what if the Big Bang is just a thought process of God? What if we are a creation of His thought process, and that's why we are what we are? That created matter within itself because when we're dreaming, we obviously create matter within our own brain. Uh, that we're living through these dreams and everything seems real and it all has matter and substance and why is that so different? Why are we not just this beautiful thing that was created and we're inside God's brain? Why why is that not why can't we say that? (laughs) We can say that because the reality (laughs) is we all experience this as physical. Right. We can't science can't prove this that we're physical. Correct. But we experience it and it doesn't matter because it's a shared experience. Right. And the fact yeah. that it's a shared experience is actually beautiful. That means God created us not to be alone. Correct. Right. That's, yeah, love, God, I love you so much. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's not because it's not because I'm thinking along your same lines. I don't mean to come off that way. But th- those are the same feelings and thoughts that I've had. I'm 58 right. years old. I've been around a while, and having some some things that have that have. Uh, changed me, uh, having some divine intervention, some things that happened to me. Again, this show is not about me. It's about your guys and what you've experienced. But I'm, I'm on the same level. And I try to tell people, too, where I'm at with this at this point in my life is right along with you, doctor, uh, is that, you know, we, we think we understand everything because we've we've created math and physics. And we think, well, that's the answer to everything. And I just want to take people and shake them by the shirt collar sometimes, including many scientists who should know better. It's like, listen, that's an absolute. When you're going to tell me that nothing, that this is impossible, this can't happen, that can't exist, because according to our physics, according to our mathematical problems, you know, that we put to task, well, that means nothing. Because have you not learned anything in in the the thousands of years that we've been here Mm -hmm. that you see that the universe really does not care? And it does these things on its on its will, and that should prove to you right there that we know nothing. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And and when you start to look at some of these things, you almost can't imagine, at least with our little human brains, that anybody could coordinate past lives, right. meeting meeting each other again, karma, because right. there's seven billion people on this planet. Right. Yeah. Right. All, and they all have to meet. And Carla and I, we start going through these things, and there's become so many synchronicities. How did we meet in 1962? Right. And I, I'm going to tell you that during all of our experiences, we, we did finally one day, jumped in the car and drove to Chicago. And we went to Little Italy. I was going to answer and, that, yeah. And we walked down the street, Halstead Street, and... I remembered being there and I turned and moved on, turned on Loomis Street and we walked down Loomis Street and Isabella, my spirit guide says, you're getting closer. You're getting getting warmer, warmer." she said. And I turned and looked and there was the building that Ruby Donaldson lived in in 1925. Wow. Wow. And the name of the building was the Isabella Apartments. Oh, Oh, what in the world? (laughs) Wow. And And a friend of mine went and did the research the building had been an apartment building and was built in 1899 and it had been an apartment building ever since wow and here's a good one talk about synchronicities and of course you know your soul families are the people that you come back with over and over and over sure. again 
Angelo Jenna, who yeah. was Ruby's boss, the gangster. Yep. In this life, he was my first husband. What in the world? Wow. Now, you can tell with some pictures that when if you're fortunate enough to find pictures because it wasn't that long ago and you put them up to somebody now, I was going to say, look and you, there's a resemblance? Yes, definitely. There, a lot of times there's a resemblance. Wow. And we we actually know a lady, she's since retired, but she's an Akashic record artist. Right. sure. And she drew a couple of our pictures from past lives. Um, I wish that she was still doing it, but she's 82 and it's difficult. I wish we could find somebody else. But Dave has said in all of our lives that we've been together, even if my skin is dark and my eyes are dark, I still somehow look similar. And no. it just depends on when the soul enters the, the fetus. Right. Now, that, was, that leads to a question I had I wrote down here. I wanted to get to that at some point. I was going to ask, now with all these past lives, Carla, um, yes. have you guys – have have you always been the same sex, same cultural orientation, you know, ethnicity, or has that changed? Oh, we've been, I've been black 16 times. Um, Dave's been black, I think, maybe 14, 14. or 15 times. 14. Yeah. Um, neither one of us have been the opposite sex. Isabella tells us that that happens when there's a lesson to be learned, of course. For instance, right. let's say you're a woman that um, abuses men. What do you suppose God would do in the next life? She will see, yeah, God will see that you are a man because how else will you learn compassion unless you see what it's like? Just like being poor and then being rich or vice versa. And I think on on another podcast you answered that too. I think something was asked about, I think you you mentioned that too, where like like you were a rapist, like a guy was a rapist and he would come back. Yes. And the opposite side of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes it's not that black and white. Sometimes it could be your family member, so right, you see right, what it feels right. like. Definite or, lessons to be learned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you know. our very last past life, Dave and I were brother and sister. I was six and he was four. Mm-hmm. We were um, playing on a three-story balcony in our home. It was Christmas Eve. His name was Johnny. My name was Katie. Our mother was downstairs wrapping presents. It was during um, the Second World War, and our father was um, a fighter pilot. And he wasn't there. Um, He was in Germany. And we were playing on the steps, and we both fell to our deaths and broke our necks. Oh, jeez. And, yes, but that's one of those instances when when we asked Isabella about the lesson there. Well, obviously, the lesson there was not for Dave and I. We were too little. We were not – we didn't know right from wrong, all of those things. But the lesson, in fact, was for many people, but our father specifically, because our father was killing people in World War II – unnecessarily there were people being um, hurt and he Mm. needed to see what it felt like when he came home both of his children were dead sure wow and this must we must be in tune because that was in line with another question I had about um, death experiences because I have an innate fear of anytime I hear about uh, like Titanic Edmund Fitzgerald some of these, Mm. these these sinkings that happened very quickly Lusitania um, I have a fear of very dark, deep water. Uh, we, we go swimming in Lake Michigan quite a bit over here, and I will not go in uh, too far up over my, <laughs> my waist. And um, there's a couple of reasons why. First off, I, I think I sense a lot of the shipwreck and uh, 
victims that still maybe they're still attached to the lake. Um, that's a whole nother show, a whole nother feeling. But the main thing is I fear that water. And I had a friend not too long ago said, well, maybe you died in a past life on yeah. board a ship and were Absolutely. trapped. You think that happens as you just, you just alluded to. Yes, frequently, absolutely. Frequently those and that memory in the water. If we took you back to that life, we might actually get rid of part of that fear. I have right. to come see you. Cause that, it, 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 you're not that far away. We could actually meet. I got. I hate. I got to use the swear, but it scares the hell out of me. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I just my. We've been out on boats and people are jumping off, swimming out in the middle of Lake Michigan. You can't see land anywhere. You're like Jan, come on in. I'm like, no, I'm good right here. I'm good right here, <laughs> and I'm not afraid yeah. to be on the boat at all. It's just I'm not going in that water. It's not happening. Right. Rightly so. Now with reincarnation, is it possible for a human soul to reincarnate into an animal like saying okay. one life you were you were human and the next life maybe you ended up be, being a dog or a cat I mean, does that happen so i'm gonna i'm gonna explain both what isabella and some of the research actually shows mm -hmm. now the research may be tainted because we can only ask people sure right okay true. and we, we're looking at children Children do not remember past lives as animals. So that's at least right. one part of the history. Isabella says she wants us to consider a couple different things. First of all, what lessons do you have to learn from an animal who mostly lives on instinct? So you, you can't make choices when you're an animal. So you, you really can't learn a lesson. Cross-species reincarnation is pretty mm -hmm. unlikely because whatever receptor allows the soul to interact with the human body would be different in an animal. Sure. The other thing is, Isabella says, and I, I don't want to offend anybody who's vegan and thinks that we can't eat meat, uh, because if animals had a soul we would literally have to believe that like some of the buddhists do mm -hmm. that to shorten the life of a soul in an animal would be one of those spiritual laws that you couldn't right. do because that that life would not be able to learn the lesson it was meant to learn in that sure. life so to shorten the life so you can't commit suicide because you're shortening your own life that stops the the world from from uh, learning a lesson you couldn't we couldn't eat animals, and we have incisors, so we're designed to eat animals. Yep. Uh, if you want to talk biblically, maybe there's some animals that are unclean that are that we shouldn't eat, predators and those things. That part... But that's it, for it, practical reasons. That's right. for practical reasons, right. so we don't carry disease. Right. You, sure. don't eat bottom, you don't eat bottom feeders because that right. is practical. They carry, you know... They eat the toxins. They eat right. the yes. toxins. Right. Unfortunately, some of those bottom feeders get elected to Congress. Moving on. <laughs> okay. Moving on. One political moment, but it's okay. Yeah, I can get away with that one. That's... We don't know where Congress goes in their next life. Right. <laughs> I can guess. No, uh... so, so I'm going to argue that we, you cannot have a life as an animal. And I have seen our animals. They reside on plane four in heaven which is in our third book. Right. And so we see our animals that have passed and, and we can connect with them. I got and a question. A, and Go let ahead, me just Carol. say one thing. 
Isabella says that animals come to us for two reasons, to help us or to love us. Mm -hmm. And because they do live on instinct, they are, they are pure, pure love, where your soul right. is the depository for your karma. They That's have true. soul essence. They that don't have sense. a soul like us. They don't have to fix their karma. Right, right, that right. Makes sense. I, I had a question in, involved in that, which was that Bob, I think, too, has experienced, um, I guess we could call them ghost animals, uh, phantoms. Uh, I've experienced two family pets uh, that appeared. Well, I heard one. One of them appeared in front of me and my children at different times. It was a, yes. one of the cats that we had. and. I was wondering why. I wonder if maybe that's just a residual thing, or are we projecting that? I mean, do you guys have any thought no. process on why we would They're see them? They're there. They're there to tell okay. you, hey, I see you. Okay. They don't forget you. They're part of you. They become part of your family. Oh, they, they still do. have a connection. And so, again, we can't explain physical manifestations in a spiritual world right. it's it's using human physics right so what you see in your mind with your connection to the spiritual world we can't we can't change that it's your reality right so if you're experiencing your passed over favorite basset hound because i've seen mine then that basset hound is connecting with you and i've seen my dog several of my dogs so yeah, it's I, I it love happens that. yeah i love hearing that yeah we mm -hmm. we went to a case where we obviously didn't know they'd had a dog and we were afraid to get out of the car in the middle of a snowstorm this dog was huge and uh, i got out rather apprehensively like well dan you're the leader go out and go to the door <laughs> so i get out and i don't see the dog and client comes to the door and uh, her name is becky and becky's like what's the matter and i'm like well we were a little afraid of the big dog that came up to the car and she goes, what big dog? And I said, well, it's a big white dog and had a little black on its chest. And she's like, oh, that dog's been dead for about a year. Oh, geez, yeah. So, <laughs> yes. you know, we're looking for footprints, and I'm just standing there in disbelief, like, I know I saw this dog. Right. So, I, I hope you're meditating because you're, you're very open and you need to continue it. I, you know, I, I take time to myself. I've not really openly admitted that I do meditate, but I do. And I, for you. I, I talk to God a lot. I have my own relationship with him, of course. But, um, you know, I, I don't try to force what goes on with me, you know, to happen. Because when I've been at places, I've tried that and I get nowhere. I just allow things when the conditions are right or something wants to come through. Bob's been with me when it's happened. I just allow it to do its thing. And all I can do is share. You know, and I never, as I said, I never offer up any absolutes on anything. I just give you what I've experienced, what I've been told, what I see, uh, or I give you my best guess because that's all I can do. Because I haven't Absolutely. been to the other side with a recorder or, you know, nobody's handed me a book yet from the other side. So, yeah. well, we have I'll... three of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all righty. I'll tell you another quick story that we usually don't even talk about on podcasts, but it is mentioned in our in our book, but. Carla had to put down one of her dogs and there was part of the story that I didn't know as she was getting older and sick. Carla made this little purple pillow with fringe. I didn't know anything about it. I came into work and I said, you know, Musette's fine. I saw her. This is the strangest thing. She's running around with a little purple pillow. 
And Carla looked at me and said, I made it for her when she was dying and sick because she didn't have enough energy. She was sleeping on it, I think. She had pancreatitis. She couldn't eat anything. I used to make little doggy birthday cakes. Couldn't do any of those things, but I made her this little pillow to lay on, and she slept on it every night. Now, see, you're not supposed to come on here and make me cry. Aww. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's heartwarming, though. I love hearing stuff like that because I, I attach a lot of that to, you know, people around us, too, you know, loved ones that have passed. And right. um, same thing. I think if, you, if you're lucky enough to be there with them so that you may not think they're cognizant that you're there, I think a lot of times they are. They know that, that they're not alone when you pass. and things of that nature. You guys are just so spiritually in touch. I just, I love this. Yeah, well. And you too. Absolutely. I'm trying. There's a connection here. There's a person. There's, there's a, a connection. connection. <laughs> there's a synchronicity absolutely here. Absolutely. It's always right for a now. That's great. Yes. That's really cool. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to jump really quick, just this much into the third book, which is called The Manual. Yes, uh, sir. And The Manual is about a lot of different things it's it starts do you have the front page right in your hand Carla like you usually do I do and like you just said you know you didn't get the book well this is the book this is the book that uh, all through life I have used the excuse I didn't get the manual but now we have the manual manual. (laughs) and this is what it says what's included in a manual a manual usually consists of the parts that make up the subject of the said manual. It also includes a section on troubleshooting for when things are not working out as they should and you must evaluate the situation. Then there is a contact list of those available to assist you with this subject as a whole. And finally... Angels, God, spirit guides. (laughs) Yes. And finally, you'll find the warranty information and in this case, there is no expiration of the subject. Hopefully, there is also included a free lifetimes of service adjustments with that warranty it also contains a method in which to contact the manufacturer and that would be god <laughs> that's neat <laughs> I, like, I like that well you can tell that she was an office manager right. i'll tell you that right. <laughs> <laughs> that is well put together i love it we have a lot of help so in that book we we actually addressed zodiac signs archetypes traits that people have all of those are things in the time of your birth. Now, I don't believe the position of the planets changes who you are. Right. I think you're born in a chunk of time, and we see that the planets have always been in that sure. same design. Yeah, it's cyclical anyway, yeah. So. It's cyclical. So, yeah. But people have seen patterns in life since the beginning of time. They've been describing these patterns as zodiac signs, is it strange that God might make you born in a certain sign because you have specific lessons that you need to learn? Right. All of that is discussed in the manual. Uh, certainly how you might be created in your next life, those options that are going to happen to you. And you know people talk about zodiac signs and how you're drawn to certain people. Yeah. Well, certainly those synchronicities in life are drawn. Our lives are drawn together. Carla and I are drawn together. You guys both have significant others. Those astrological signs are part of that draw. You have like personalities because you fall into the right zodiac signs. Or you have actually conflicted, and that may be one of those lessons you have to deal with right. with your significant other. 
and in a past life, logical sign has to do with your karma. And and in a past life, you could have changed those signs several different times, which is why maybe like this time around, it seems like that person that you're still close to, like with my wife and I, we had this discussion. It's weird. That, again, this is all supposed to happen in this show. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. swear to God. I, I don't swear to God, but he knows it's right. Um, <laughs> Synchronicity. The, the weird, yes, the weird she part does. Of, yes. The part, <laughs> the part of that is, is uh, even I've said, well, we're opposites, but we're, we're so attracted. And I, and I said one time, I said, well, we may have lined up perfectly in a past life and it's still kind of there. Yes. Just not it's this still- time. Still the draw. Absolutely. You got it. Well, opposites Weird. attract. Weird. Mm-hmm. And so we've actually broken down in the manual the karmic issue related to various signs. And it teaches you at least what in your past life was the problem. Right. Charlie can give you an example of just one, maybe. Well, I was going to say that. Um, your astrological sign, actually, they're broken down into four sets of three because there's 12. And actually, the way God created all of us, there's a lot of 12s going on. Um, we talk about that in the book. Um, there's 12 astrological signs, there's 12 traits, there's 12 archetypes. Um, and your angel is directly related to your karma in the past. For instance, Dave and I, um, I'll lump them together. Aquarian, Pisces, Aries, that's one group. We have the green angel of selfishness. I'm sorry, the yellow angel of selfishness. And that falls under Mariel's legion. And so when we meditate, often I will see that yellowish color Mm -hmm. because that's the angel. Now, selfishness can be in a lot of forms. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I keep my food to myself and I don't share it it could be I was selfish with my time in the past Mm -hmm. now remember that this is based on your past karma and God has given you an angel in this life to help you overcome it so you won't make the same mistakes and like I said they're broken down into um, four groups of threes um, and there's a chart actually in the manual that gives all of those Later on in the manual, we actually take some famous figures from history, well-known, for instance, like Napoleon. And we talk about what sign and trait and archetype he was before he was Napoleon and after he was Napoleon. So you can see what happened before, what led up to him acting like Napoleon, and then after how he handled it. Right. and there's several examples in the book like that, so nice. it's kind of it's kind of fun. Yeah, and also, That's yeah, great. our and, and also we have one past life, and the life before and the life after that we weave through the whole book to try to right give the the example. Our first book actually has portions of twenty lives. Our second book has portions of seven, and this one has really a whole life weaved all the way through it. Wow. And with that, we give. A lesson at the end of each one to tell the readers why we came back what did we do that was negative what right. didn't we get right that time that we had to come back again do you, do you think some of, do you think that some of us transversely stay within the same family when there's reincarnation or do you think that's just just a happenstance like once in a while it might happen that you, maybe you your maybe you were your great 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 grandmother or something. Is that it happens that a lot? It happens a lot. It, it's based I, on cycling. Tell them about cycling, Dave. So 
again, we talked a little bit about group karma. We didn't quite talk about family karma. And so this is another thing just to point out. You can pass some of your karma on to your children. So that's another lesson in all of this. But I want you to consider that we all have a responsibility to break patterns. So families have alcoholism as an example. Mm. The the father is an alcoholic, then the son is an alcoholic, and then the, the next son is an alcoholic. It's not strange if you were an alcoholic that you might not come back in the same family so that you can experience what it's like to have an alcoholic father. Mm -hmm. Wow. wow. Because somewhere you have to break the cycle. Right. The same thing happens with abuse that follows through families. If you were an abuser, you may come back in the same family and become abuse because somebody has got to be the person who stops the abuse. Right. Right. And I like how you, I like how you say may doesn't mean always, but that may happen, right? That may and happen. it depends yep. on the cycles because let's say Dave and I have lessons to learn, and this has happened a couple of times. Um, he had a mother that actually drowned him when he was a child, and he was supposed to, I think he was two or three years old, he was supposed to meet up with me later, and he didn't. So he died, and he waited and then I completed my life, and then we came back together in the next life. So sometimes you're not with that person. You don't. Uh, this happens too with um, when people die, and they say they go through the tunnel, and their family members are there. And sometimes they'll say, "Well, you know, if it's an NDE, I didn't see all of my family members. I only saw this one or that one. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, because that, yeah. they're already back. They they cannot greet you if they're already right. here. Right. And you have to get on the cycle." That makes sense. Yeah, my mom had that. I mean, she's passed away now, but her first heart attack, she said that, and she only saw certain people, and then mm-hmm. heard somebody saying, it's it's not your time yet, Eileen, you need to go back, and she said, yes. what do you mean? I don't want to go back, and, <laughs> That's, and yeah. then she was here. She was here for another couple of years, but um, yeah, we, I've, we've talked to other people who've had those experiences. We've interviewed them, you know, on past right. programs, but, you know, the, the interesting thing, too, uh, that the doctor brought up was you know, having that, the, the cycle to some of this stuff, because um, I asked that question to start that off, because I, I come from a long line of great-great-grandfathers who were all these pastors, and I had mm. no clue until I went do, doing research a couple of years ago, and, you know, I'm kind of drawn to that kind of thing in here, you know, mm. inside uh, my heart and, and what I believe and how I feel, and it kind of made sense, you know, uh, that I, I should believe in God. And trust me, there's a, port, a portion of my life, I think some of us have been there, where I blamed him for a lot of things and was very angry. But once I really, once I matured a little bit to realize I had it wrong, um, I don't know, I just pondered that. I'm like, I wonder if I get some of that genetic memory uh, from those family, you know, all these men, these, these grandfathers and great-grandfathers who were pastors and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. That's why I so, asked Maybe you're one of them. Could be, uh, you know. I've there is a, some soul memory. Yep. I, that's what I was going to ask. You Thank would you. make I a good pastor, Dan. I was trying I mean, to I, ask there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> pastor Dan. I, yep, I can see the qualities, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, boy. You're, you're a yeah. great speaker. You've, you got People a great People would be in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, 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 we talked a little bit about near-death experiences. Um, can you guys, or do you guys see a correlation between that near-death experience where you 
you hear of um, people seeing the bright white light, seeing family members. And um, is there a process? So, so when you do die or the, or the brain dies, or they experience this, do they, do you feel that they unite with family and then are reincarnated or is there a period of period of time between the new birth? Do you okay, know so what then, exactly goes on yeah. with that process? So, actually we do as I've experienced many of my deaths and there mm-hmm. is actually a small period of time where you're disoriented as you're trying to lose your senses. With, Cause you lose all of your senses to start. Sure. So there's a disorientation. There is a, for me, it was traveling through time, space, and eternity with lights flashing in all directions. That's my version of that tunnel. Um, actually, I have had a the same young lady pass me over multiple times since I was involved in a life with her 700 years B.C. in a Mayan life where she died and I was somewhere part of it and she thought I was forgiving I don't know why or she forgave me but she now presents when I die and passes me over people who have NDEs experience this tunnel of light some sort of beings of light various experiences with spiritual beings mm-hmm. and or God many times they report some time of past life review and some sort of spiritual awakening People who have past life regression many times go to the time in between lives. They they also see many of their family members greet them. Past life regression people have the same experience. They see this council that helps them. They go through a past life review. They see spiritual beings that help them and they may experience God. And then they have a time of planning where they hear some of what may be happening and why it's going to happen in their next life to learn compassion. They're also frequently told, which is one of the reasons we get contacts with those who pass, they're told they should try to reach their family and apologize if they had a problem in their past life. If they caused them fear, pain, or even the grief of losing them, they should try to reach to their family. And during that time period, a lot of people do get communication, and they're actually mediums whose real goal, I think, is to help people sure. connect with their past loved ones right. so they know that they're fine and that they're sorry that we feel grief on Earth. The best lesson about past life regression and past life memories is there's no real death. There is no end. Right. Your loved one is still there. They're still going forward, and you will either meet them in another life or when you're finally done. And I, and I got to. There's comfort with that knowledge that is, you know. Dave, yeah. you should say that life review is the same thing as what many churches will call atonement. Okay. Yes. yes. Yep. And they yep. can make it sound like it's harsh and say it's a judgment, but, you know, God's pretty easy mm-hmm. on us. Right. God really is. And, and that leads into my next question which is really tough and i know you guys have probably been asked this before so do you how does this how does this affect people who have done very evil things i'm not going to bring up the h you know name because everybody brings up the h name you know hitler 
Well, I just did. So okay, um, now you did it. I, yeah, I did. <laughs> now you did it. You're, you're, um, but you know what I mean. People who have done just horrendous or, evil or a things. serial killer, right? I mean, yeah. Just, what happens with yeah. these people? I mean, do you think the same? They're brought back, and there's forgiveness, and things happen. And then, and I'm not looking for to judge on that anyway. I just, I'm just curious. What do you? How do you think that operates? I, I think it operates in the same rule of karma that right. they're going to come back and experience something that makes them learn compassion related to what they did. Right. If that means, an example is the man who stands and watches the 9-11 tower falls and feels the horror when all those people die may have been somebody who caused somebody to die. Right, right. That's a beautiful way to put okay. Right. okay. He's going to ex experience the loss of everyone who died. So if Hitler was doing his past life review, he was going to have a, a relatively long experience where he felt what all the other families did when they lost their loved one. Right, right. Makes sense. So he would learn compassion. Right. Makes perfect sense. Um, Dr. Dave and Carla, um, where can our listeners find your books? Go ahead, Carla. Uh, well, our website is thegiftofpastlives.com, and certainly you can buy the books um, there, but they're available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Walmart, all of the usual places too. And, you know, if you want to um, send us an email, you can also access that on our website. Perfect. Any uh, thing that you guys would like to plug? Any upcoming events, or um, do you guys have any lectures or anything like that? Well, COVID well, is sort of COVID has definitely down. put a yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a stall on some of that. I'm sure. Our publicist says she would love to get us involved in those things. The only thing we have planned is a a reincarnation symposium that's in uh, Richmond in October. Okay. Um, but so far, we don't have anything else planned because of COVID, and right. hopefully that will happen. Right, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, anything that you guys, you know, would love to promote or plug, I mean, we would be more than happy to help you guys out. It's been an, an, an honor and a joy to have you guys on. Really enjoy talking with you. It's been a big honor. Thank you, you so much. Yeah, it's to been be great. Thank you. Yeah, we'd love to meet you guys. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You guys aren't that far West from Virginia us. And South and South Michigan's not far. No, not not at it all. It isn't. Not at all. It's not. You guys are close. And I, I made a note on here, uh, guests at our meet and greet that we are trying to plan for next year, which will be here in Michigan. Uh, we have an idea that uh, we have a place here, which used to be a county work farm. It's historic and haunted. But uh, we host uh, paranormal groups and people there for free. Uh, you know, the, the crowd pays a, an amount to come in. That goes towards the museum because it's all done by voluntary means. And uh, it's just a meet and greet for people to come out and meet people like yourselves and others who do all this, this different work in this Absolutely. strange world. And uh, I, I put a check there and wrote you down <laughs> that you're going to be hearing from me quite often, probably to the point where you hate me. Uh, but I'll just keep up with you guys and say, hey, I'd love to have you there as guests. And, right. um, you know, it, worse, worse comes to worse, we can find a place to put you up. It's uh, in Hartford, Michigan. Just in case you two want to look it up, it's called the Van Buren County Museum, uh, oh. Poorhouse Museum. 
and uh, it's a beautiful place. And uh, they have one of the oldest Native American artifacts in North America in its museum right here in Hartford, Michigan. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, We'd love to come. I'd love to. I'd love to. And I want to meet you guys. In yeah, absolutely. Well. Have, Me too. Personally, I have so much I want to sit down and talk to you guys about and stories to share. So for Me sure. Me too. And nurse stories too. Nurse story. Oh, nursing stories. Oh, he's told me <laughs> oh, yes. some. He's told me some doozies. <laughs> uh, I have. I have. <laughs> I'm Not... always impressed with a male nurse. Yeah. Well, it shows compassion. It really I'll, does. Thank you. Thank I'll you. share a quick story, Carla. It, the weird thing oh. is, Bob and I, Bob and I have known yeah. each other for a few years now, but um, I got very ill uh, a couple years back. Well, more than a couple. So uh, this was before Bob took his new position. So. I had had a rare peritone, a bleeding rare, rare peritoneum area, which was unexplained. And so I virtually in there bleeding out. They, they didn't know what to do. They had three teams working on me. So I think maybe the second or third night I'm laying in this hospital room and I don't even know if Bob put the name and, you know, on the door when he picked the chart up and he came in and he saw me in the bed and he looked at me and I looked at him and he's like, uh, big dog, what are you, what, what are you doing in here? I'm like, I'm dying. How are you? It was synchronicity. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and that's one of those, those spiritual things I talk about because we reached a point, Bob can attest to this, that they weren't sure. I mean, we, I called the pastor in. Uh, this wasn't stopping. I was pooling blood. Everything was shutting down. It healed itself going into the eighth and ninth day. Uh, miraculously by itself, they have no explanation for it to this day. And I just did a lot of praying, but I I was comfortable to go. I hate to sound morbid, but I was at peace. I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm ready comfortable to go. to go. That's not morbid. Yeah, I was ready. I was at peace. I mean, I didn't want my kids to not have their dad, but right. you know, but yeah. it was it was a really funny moment for just a moment there. The look <laughs> on his face was like he looked at the chart, looked at me, like what's going on? Right, right. It, it, it didn't click at first, you know. I was like, oh my gosh, he's he's been a safe he is. Moment. He's a great nurse, and and I was oh. in, I was in again recently. Remember, I was in for a sur another sur my neck uh, surgery. Right. He came in, and I was drugged up and sleeping, and I woke You're up, and there was this, there was this monkey next to my shoulder in a Star Trek shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up like, for a second there, I'm like, what's happened? What's what's going on? Yeah. He's a great guy. He's a beautiful human being. <laughs> oh, thanks, Dan. You too. He has a great radio voice too. Oh. He does. He's a good voice yeah, for radio. He does. Absolutely. Oh, thanks. He does. All right. Now, now, now that I'm Western blushing. Sleeping in the car. <laughs> What's Where's that? Elmer? Yeah, Elmer, where are you at? He's probably sleeping. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> He's just listening. <laughs> Elmer, it's a pleasure to meet you, too. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Pleasure to have you guys on the show. Absolutely. We had a nice time in West Virginia. Isn't there a... There is a nice resort in West Virginia. What was that called? Uh, Did you Greenbrier, probably. I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember off the top either. But it, they yeah. have a lot of Christmas lights. I don't remember. I know. I know, I know Elmer. You, he, he heads up that Mothman. Some of the Mothman stuff down there. So if you guys oh. are over down that way, give him give him a shout out. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's some strangest, strangest in and of its own. But thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. David Bettenhausen and Carla Bogny Kid. Thank you so much for being our guests. Yes, God bless you Thanks both. Thanks for yep, having absolutely. us. Absolutely. Bless you thank guys you. too. It was, bless you. It was fantastic. The pleasure. Let us know about your event. 
Will do, and uh, I will get this uh, audio worked so you guys will get uh, notification. Um, I can't go without saying a thank you to Michelle Freed uh, for also uh, working with us and helping us out uh, and getting some great people like we just had on this program. And yeah. it, they, it's going to continue. Like I said, we have a goal here with the free networking we do on this network. Uh, you guys are listening to us on Unrestricted Radio. Do yourself a favor. Download the unrestrictedradio.com app. Uh, you can listen to us Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Saturday nights, you can hear me on the Big Dog Show. Of course, if you have children 16 and under, please do not tune in to listen. I just That's all I'm going to say. I just have a lot of fun with life, and we play a lot of uh, fun music. Um, you can hear us at the Michigan69podcast.com site, uh, hendersoncastle.com, one of our supporters. And, of course, Gun Barrel Coffee, uh, Brian and Sale over there, the guys in Batavia, Illinois. Uh, you've had the rest. Drink the best. GunBarrelCoffee.com. Uh, Dr. Dave, Carla, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so guys. Much. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Thank you. Bob and Elmer, that's your cue. All right. Yeah, it's been another great show. Uh, we'd like to thank, thank you guys. Thank you guys. For, it was great. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for being on. And uh, we want to thank our listeners out there for supporting us and listening to us. Uh, like I had said, another great show. Uh, thanks to our guests. And uh, until uh, next time, I think we've got uh, a few Bigfoot researchers lined up. I know Dr. Jeffrey Meldrum. Yeah, the Olympia Project. The yeah. Olympia Project, yeah. yeah. Looking forward to that interview. That will be amazing. I know Elmer's uh, definitely a kid in the candy store when it comes to that. Elmer, you there? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, all right. Well, folks, well, you have a wonderful night. And, uh, Elmer? Happy haunting. Have a good night.